Thank you, worship team. Oh, man, I love that throwback. Did you guys like that? That was awesome. I haven't sung that song in a really, really long time, but, man, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I love it. appreciate that. Hey, guys, I want to welcome you all to church. Thank you so much for joining us here in person at church or if you're watching online, wherever you are, if you're in Arizona, if you're in Alaska, if you're in Portland, we're so glad that you spent, you're spending this time with us. I'm excited to be here and uh, I'm actually really excited that my whole family is here today. My baby, uh, Hazel, is here for the first time. And like many people, she's going to sleep through my sermon today, I think. I want to welcome you guys. So glad that you're with us. Uh, We started a new series last week. And the series is called Before You Go. And as I mentioned, it was geared to really two groups of people. And I hope it will reach a lot of people. But uh, really when when, when I was writing this message that people God put on my heart were number one, especially high school seniors who are leaving to college. So it's like before you go. And then also people who are struggling in their faith, uh, questioning and doubting where they've, what they've believed and what they were taught. And maybe are considering disengaging from their faith. And, uh, you know, they're like, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. I grew up with it. I went to Sabbath school and VBS and all that stuff. But I don't know if this really works for me right now. And, and what we're talking about in this series are four questions to ask yourself about your way of life. What way of life you are adopting before you may make a huge decision to walk away and disengage from your faith and to walk away from Jesus. So um, it's a big undertaking and it's, uh, it's, it's one of those series where like seriously you have to be here for all of them. And you have to listen to other ones. So like if you're here for the first time or you're watching for the first time, I want to really encourage you guys maybe after this go back to uh, last week's message on YouTube. Go to our our podcast uh, and listen to last week's message because it, it fills in a lot of gaps. Like every message this series is going to build upon each other. Um, next week, uh, Pastor Jonathan is going to take over the last two and he's going to close the sermon series in a couple weeks. I'm really excited for that. But um, let me give you guys a real quick, uh, I guess, summary of what we talked about last week. And again, it's going to be quick. So if you don't really understand what I'm saying, um, go back, listen, watch, and do whatever you got to do. So basically, the idea is that for, for those of us who may be struggling in faith, when you decide to walk away or step away from Jesus and step away from the church, um, we often think that we're stepping away into a neutral zone where I can just kind of figure out what I believe and who I am and all that stuff. But the reality is when you step away from Jesus, you're not stepping into a neutral space. You're stepping into what the Bible calls and what Jesus calls the world. And the world is not neutral. The world has a direction and the world has a path. And it has a, what they call a life script for you. That if you step into the world and, and live in that space for the rest of your life, it will take you to a place where a lot of people are going. And, and we're trying to understand what this world uh, life script, this world philosophy, this world thought is. And, and the current world that we live in, probably the best term and the kind of official term for the world we live in is secularism. And that's kind of the world outside the church. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like. But ultimately, the end goal of secularism, the end goal of the world is actually a really awesome goal. It's like a perfect world. Right? Secularism wants to make a better world, a better world of more peace and acceptance, of grace, of positivity, of life. Like it's a really good thing. But what its aim is essentially is to create that world without God. And so the, the phrase that is associated with secularism is this phrase, the kingdom without the king. The kingdom without the king. There we go. The kingdom without the king. So they want to build the kingdom of God because a lot of what they want, what secularism wants, is the kingdom of God 
but we don't need God to do it. Like, we don't need God so that we can have peace and unity and harmony and acceptance and understanding. We don't, we don't really need God. We can kind of do that ourselves because we're smart, we're rational, like, we know what we're doing, we're not dumb, we're not angry, we're not terrible. We can do it ourselves. And so in the last, uh, the last message, the real point that I wanted to get across for everyone, the question for last week is this question. If I choose not to follow Jesus, who or what will I follow instead? Okay? Because if you choose not to follow Jesus, you will be following something or someone else. Most people don't leave the church to go to a different religion. Most people leave the church and end up in the place of the world or secularism. And so we wanted to understand what that was. And, and, and I was very honest with you guys. The whole end point of this entire sermon series is the next one. Is this. The world slash secularism is not the answer. Like this is not going to satisfy the longings of your soul. This is not what you are really think you need. The world slash secularism is not the answer. There is no power in it. The Apostle Paul calls it a, these kinds of things, a hollow and deceptive philosophy. That will actually, the word he uses will enslave you or take you captive. In the words of the Apostle Paul. So I'm hoping that if you're in that place of disengaging from faith, I'm not asking you to believe everything I, I say. I'm asking you to pause for a moment. To take a break and to take a step back from the direction you're going to think about something that you may not have thought about before. And if you are disengaging from faith, you're, I know who you are and I know you're smart. I know you guys and I know you're not just kind of like doing it willy-nilly. But I want to introduce a new facet or a new angle to the decision before you make that, that decision. Now, uh, let me break down secularism real quick, all right. Secularism really comes down to two really important values. The first was unlimited freedom. This is what we want. Our world right now loves freedom. We love freedom, don't we? We love freedom. We want to do what we want to do. We want to be what we want to be. And along with the unlimited freedom, which we're going to focus on today, is the idea of like, I want tons of options. I want, it, like my freedom is expressed in lots of choices, right? So that's like Netflix, YouTube. No, we don't need TV anymore, live TV anymore. When you go to a bookstore, you go to Powell's Bookstore, there's like millions of books there. Like you can choose so much. You go to an ice cream shop, how many flavors are there? Like 5 million flavors, right? You could pick whatever you want. You could mix it up. You know, like we just love options. There's also this sense of like anti-authority, meaning we, we kind of push back against like what people tell us, what, the, what, what elders and tradition and ritual have said about who we have to be and what we have to do. Like we push back against that. And the final and the second real big uh, core pillar is the pursuit of pleasure. That pleasure is like the highest good. Like I want to feel good. I want to be happy. I want to feel it in my bones, in my heart, and in my mind. Like, I want to have energy, and I want to feel good in my life. So that's like secularism in a nutshell. And we're going to break down uh, these in the next couple of weeks. And today we're going to focus on this first part, this, this desire, this pillar of unlimited freedom. That I want freedom. I mean, if you just like think about our country, like freedom is so important. Right? Like the most sensitive topics to get into with anybody has to do with freedoms taking away certain freedoms or inhibiting others, other people's freedoms. Like if you start talking about those things, people get really, really upset when you talk about taking away or infringing upon my freedom. This is how we are right now. 
And so uh, before we get into the message, like as we dive into this idea of freedom and what it looks like, as we dive into the idea of the world's freedom versus Jesus' freedom, you know, I really want to pray and I want to invite God into this place to, to really give us an open mind and understanding and insight. Because this is like some deep stuff that we really need God to lead us through as we kind of like think about it. So I want to invite you guys to pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity to preach this message, God. And Father, you know the burden on my heart. Uh, but you also know, Father, the challenges that we face to, to hear your words. And so, Father... Please just come here and break down any walls, barriers that would keep us from hearing what exactly you want us to hear. Guide me. May this be all about you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So there was a book that came out a number of years ago called Swerve. And the subtitle is How the World Became Modern. Swerve, How the World Became Modern. And it explains kind of like historically how we went from a pre-modern age to the modern age we now live in. And he talks about this one very specific moment that changed kind of the path of the world, especially the Western world. And he talks about this like Italian monk guy, and I forgot his name. It's some Italian name. And he was uh, during the Renaissance or pre-Renaissance, he was like looking for books. And he found this one book called the, Na the Nature of Things. And The Nature of Things was a book written by this guy who was a, who was a student or follower of a uh, a Greek philosopher named Epicurus. I know, you guys are like, you already lost me. Just stick with me. Okay, I'm not going to talk about this that long. But Epicurus is a philosopher that created the philosophy known as Epicureanism. And I know that a lot of us are like, I don't even know what that is. All I know is that there's a website called Epicurus. That's all I know. Um, but let me tell you about what Epicureanism is. It's really simple. And it's really the fundamental foundation of secularism in our world today. And so let me read the, the Oxford Dictionary definition of Epicureanism, okay? I'll put it on the screen. An ancient school of philosophy founded in Athens by Epicurus. The school rejected determinism and advocated hedonism, pleasure as the highest good, but of a restrained kind. Mental pleasure was regarded more highly than physical, and the ultimate pleasure was held to be freedom from anxiety and mental pain, especially that arising from needless fear of death and of the gods. Like, if you think about that, is that not so descriptive of our world today? Right, like, we, we, we tout pleasure as one of the highest goods, feeling good. And I'm not talking about, like, in a really unhealthy way, but we just like to feel good. And we don't like things that make us feel bad, which is, like, obvious. And, and this freedom from anxiety and mental pain is what you want. And it frees you from the needless fear of death and of the gods. So within this, um, within this Epicurean secularistic framework or mindset, religion is actually the, is kind of the culprit of a lot of our society's problems. That religion and belief in God and in faith and all the burdens and all the stuff that the ways it's used, like religion is, is bad. Religion is bad. And the idea within the secularistic or Epicurean framework is that if we eliminate religion, belief, faith, if we get rid of that, the world will get better. And like that's totally our world right now. And, you know, to a degree, let's be honest, to a degree, we probably agree with that. At least a little bit. Because a lot of us have seen all the terrible things done in the name of religion. And we as Christians, listen guys, we got to own up to that. 
We can't be like, no, no, it didn't happen. No, no, it happened, guys. We as Christians need to own up that in history, in the world, even today, a lot of bad things have been done because of religion. I get that. And you get that. And if, especially if you're in a place where you're like, oh, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, you totally understand that. And the way you see religion is you see it as like not a great thing. And you even see that religion has not done harm to like a, on a global level or a social society level, but even for you personally. Like you are, are, are questioning the faith you grew up with because you feel like it's done something to you and it has harmed you in some way. And you're probably right. You know, you, you heard some crazy things or some crazy elder or preacher or pastor said some crazy things or treated you a certain way. And you thought, religion, this is, if this is religion, I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what you're talking about. You know, so we, we understand like this is some kind of true to a degree. And so in this framework of secularism and the world, like the most important thing is freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I want freedom from religion. I want freedom from oppression. I want freedom from anyone telling me what to do and what to be. I get to decide. That is like one of the most important things within this framework. And it's so important for us to understand what the world is talking about. Because freedom sounds really good. Like it sounds really awesome. And like we all want that. No one, no one wants to not be free. All of you guys, if, if some all of a sudden your freedoms were infringed, you would be upset and you would be mad and you don't like that. So when we talk about this pillar of freedom, what's funny is the Apostle Paul talks about it too. One of the best books in the entire Bible on freedom is the book of Galatians. And the Apostle Paul writes about it. And, and listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Here's the crazy thing. The Apostle Paul here, what he's saying is Jesus has freed us from the very kind of religion that you are pushing back against. The kind of religion that we think is bad for the world, the kind of religion that the Epicureans and the secularists think about religion, that kind of religion the Apostle Paul is saying too, he has freed us from that. That, that religion that is bad, that religion that causes people to treat people horribly or justify their apathy, that, that religion that can be, can be corrupted and the religion that can be used to hurt people, that religion that is burdensome and oppressive, that, you know, that religion that makes you feel shame and guilt all the time, like that religion, the Apostle Paul says, guess what, Jesus has freed us from that. Like if you are a person, you're like not really into religion and not really into Jesus and all that stuff, like you, Paul is your guy. He totally agrees with you. He's like, yeah, like that religion, Jesus has freed us from that. Like I was like the king of that religion and he's freed us from that. That religion that, that can be used to do so many horrible things to people. That religion that can be used to judge and condemn other people. Paul's like, no, no. I'm not about that, and Jesus is not about that. In fact, when he died on the cross, he freed us from that. He said he's freed us so that we can just receive his gift. Like, we don't have to earn it anymore. So because you don't have to earn it anymore, you don't have to live a life of, like, striving and anxiety and stress. Like, oh, does God love me? Is, is, does God, is God happy with me? Am I pleasing him? 
He's like, no, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do it. You can just receive his grace and his love. It's like this is the freedom that Jesus is giving us. Freedom not from like all these other crazy things, but from that kind of religion, that religiosity, that institution. That's what Jesus has freed us from. He, he's freed you and me to simply be here and celebrate in the presence of God. Okay, like he's freed us from the fear of having to please God. And he says you can just be in his presence and just like soak it in. That's what Jesus has freed us from. So he's with you, right? Like he's totally with you. And he's totally with these like this idea that religion, man, it can do so much harm. And it's not great. And, and maybe we've got to get rid of it. Paul's like, yeah, let's get rid of that. Let's, let's be freed in the way Jesus has freed us. But within his statement where he says it is for freedom Christ has set us free, don't be again burdened by the yoke of slavery. There is a question there, an implied question. And the question is this, and it's a question that we all have to ask, and this is the question I'm asking you today. What will you do with your freedom? See, that's not a question that we're used to asking because so many of us grew up in America, and we've always been free. And we're like, I don't know, I'll go grab a burger and some fries, and that's what I'm going to do with my freedom. Like, I'm going to go to the park, and I'm going to go play. I'm going to go play video games. Like, that's what I'm going to do with my freedom. Like, we don't know how to answer that question, but Paul is asking you, what are you going to do with the freedom that Jesus has given you? What are you going to do with that? And the Apostle Paul gives us a couple options. So, here's option one. With your freedom, you can become a follower of religion. And that's what he says. You can then be burdened by the yoke of slavery to the law once again. You can be a, a, a follower of religion. That's your first choice. Okay? With this freedom, you can go back into that and say, you know what? Like Jesus' freedom, thank you. But I'm going to go back into the legalism. I'm going to go back into a system of earning God's favor. We're going to do all those things to make him happy. And i got to earn my way into heaven. I like that. You can, you can go back to that. In fact, that's what the Galatians were doing. The Galatians were like, yeah, we heard the gospel, but we're going to start believing again that we have to do these works to earn God's love and earn salvation. So you have that option to go back into legalism. You have an option to go back into that system of corruption. You have that, that, that option to go back into this, like, this ideology that can be judgy and condemning and, and all that. You can do that. You have that choice because you have been given freedom. So that's option one. The option two that Jesus gives us is to become a follower of Jesus. And he's like, this is the one I'm taking. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus with my freedom. And I'm going to put myself under him because I think that's the best thing to do. And, and this is so important for us to understand. Like this whole series, guys, this whole series, and I, I realize it can be misconstrued and I could be misunderstood in what I'm talking about during this series. This series is not about keeping you in church. This series is about keeping you in Jesus. Okay, can I say that one more time? This series is not about keeping you in church, in like the institution, the religion, the building. Yeah, I would love that, but this series is not about keeping you in church. This series is about keeping you in Christ and in Jesus. You see, so many of us, guys, let's be honest, we, get it, we got it backwards. Coming to church is the number one priority, following Jesus is number two, or three, or four, or five. Right, coming to church, you got to be at church. That's not optional, but following Jesus seems to be optional. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, guys. 
The way it's supposed to be is because I am following Jesus, I'm led into this community of faith where I serve and give and sacrifice for this community because I follow Jesus. That's how it's supposed to be. So this is not, again, about keeping you in church. This is about keeping you in Jesus. And this is what Paul says. We have the option. With your freedom, you can choose to go back into religion, the one that you hate, the one that hurts you, and the one that may be hurting people, the one that secularism says, we don't need any of that anymore. You can go back there. Or you can choose to follow Jesus and see where that takes you. Or you have option three. You can become a follower of something or someone else. It's not, well, it's not just two options. It's three. It's religion, Jesus, or something else, or someone else. And he actually talks about this the chapter before in Galatians chapter 4. He says, formerly, and he's talking to pagans here, right? He's talking about people who are not Jewish. These are like pagan people. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. In other words, idols. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? So this is option three. You can go back to these pagan idols and these kinds of things, or you can go back into the world, you can go back into this place. But all three options you have to choose. See, this is like, this is kind of the crazy thing here. We think we can choose religion, Jesus, or nothing. But that's not true. You can choose Religion, you can choose Jesus or you choose something or someone else. And right now, that something or someone else is the world, is secularism. And you get to choose with your freedom that Jesus has given you, you can choose whichever you want from those things. And so it's worth asking the question, what will you do with your freedom? Will you choose option one? Option two or option three? Now, I know that maybe kind of what you're thinking is like, why do I have to choose one of those three? Why can't I just choose nothing? Like, why can't I just choose myself? Or because maybe we don't like, you know, we like options, but we don't like that we only have three. Religion, Jesus, or the world? What about me? Like, why can't I just follow myself? Why can't I just follow what I want to do? And why can't I just follow my thinking and figure out myself and, and do my thing? Why can't I, I can do that? Why can't I do that? And I get where you're coming from, but here's the reality. We are not as rational and autonomous as we think we are. And like, listen guys, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist guy, right? Like, I'm not into conspiracy theories. I'm not into like talking about crazy things. And so... What I'm going to say next may come off that way, but that's not what I mean, okay? And uh, if you really think about it, I think you'll, 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 you'll track with me. Now, now I got your attention. Everyone's like, oh, okay, what's he going to say? Here's what I think. If you choose to follow yourself, what you're really choosing to follow, hold on, I don't know if that's the best way to say it. Hold on, I don't know if that's the best way to say it. Okay, in our world, if you choose myself, I'm going to do my thing. What you're really choosing, you're choosing Silicon Valley. You're choosing the tech giants. You're choosing large corporations. You're choosing Washington, D.C. Because these are the people who tell us who to be, what to wear, what to buy, where to vacation, how to think. We're choosing YouTube. We're choosing social media. We're choosing Instagram. We're choosing TikTok. When we say, I choose myself to be my God, you're actually allowing these other forces to be your God. 
Right? These are the things that teach. I mean, like, do we, we understand that, right? We understand that when you go to YouTube and you search one thing, YouTube wants to give you more of those kinds of things to look at. Like, we all understand that, right? And TikTok is the same thing, right? Like, we, it, it tracks our patterns so we can, we can view and, and digest more content. So here's my thing. I know maybe it sounds crazy, but Pastor Jonathan, I'm going to give it to him to talk about more next week. So Pastor Jonathan, you got to talk about this next week and go into more detail. But the reality is, is we don't get to choose self because ourselves are so influenced by so many things. So there is no, no, no simple choice of I'm just going to choose myself. So we have to ask that question, what will I do with my freedom? Within this context of unlimited freedom, like I want to be whatever I be, I want to do whatever I want to do, which is that's kind of like the world's version of freedom. But what we have to understand is that the freedom Jesus offers is actually very different. The freedom Jesus offers is very different. We're going to kind of talk about the two, and that's kind of what we're going to do for the rest of this message. When we select to follow the world or follow secularism, yes, you are given unlimited freedom. Nobody gets to tell you what to do. And nobody gets to tell you what to be. Which to a degree we're like, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of want that. Even me, I like see that that's attractive. But what we find, what we find is that when we subscribe to this, when we step into this space of unlimited freedom, there are two really, really important areas of our lives that will suffer. Okay, this is just how it is. That when we step into this place of unlimited freedom, there are two really important areas of our lives that will suffer. The first is community. The first thing that suffers is that community suffers. And community is something that we all know we want, we all know we need. Why does community suffer though? When you have unlimited freedom, why would community suffer? It's because community, deep meaningful community, requires a high level of commitment. Right? Deep, meaningful community requires a high level of commitment. And guess what? Commitment is constraint. Commitment is, is limits on your freedom because you have to be there. You have to show up every single week or all the time. Every, you have to show up to be a part of that community. When, you're, when you want to be in that community, there are certain rules that you have to follow. You can't just be like, I just want to do whatever I want to do. I just want to show up whenever I want to show up. I want to say whatever I want to say, and you have to accept me, and you have to love me, and that's my community. And when they don't, you're like, these people are not cool. They don't love me. They don't accept me for who I am. And you step away, and you end up not having that sense of community. See, you have to be willing to submit and limit some of your freedoms in order to have deep, meaningful relationships. So within the secular framework, unlimited freedom, hyper-individuals, like I'm going to be me, community will suffer. You know, the, the phrase that, that people say all the time that I think is kind of like one of the best phrases as far as it relates to like understanding secularism is the phrase, you do you. You do you, right? And, and I bet you you guys have all said that and maybe you think that and like, yeah, I get that. But have you ever realized, and I was thinking about it, the phrase, when do we use the phrase, you do you? When do we say that? We usually say that when we're trying to end a conversation. Isn't it? Like someone wants to buy something and you're like, dude, don't buy that. And they're like, no, I really want it. And you're like, no, 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 you don't have enough money. They're like, no, I need it. And you're like, all right, dude, you do you, fine. You do whatever you're going to do, okay. 
right? Or, or, or someone is saying something that we don't understand or, or we just don't want to talk about anymore or people are into something and we don't get it and they're trying to explain to us why we, they love this thing or they, why they're into this, this hobby or whatever and then you're like, okay, okay, I got it. You do you, right? You do you is a tool to disengage from people. You do you is a tool to step out of a conversation. So here's the thing. If you take you do you and you do you for like the rest of your life, what's going to happen is it's going to become you do you alone. See, the logical end, the logical end to unlimited freedom is isolation. And I don't want that for you. And you don't want that for you. And your family doesn't want that for you. But if you insist on being whatever you want to be and whoever you want to be, no limits. I'm just going to be myself completely, whatever that even means. It will lead to a place of isolation. And we're actually seeing that in our world today. Do you guys know that in the United States there are 35.7 million single-person homes, single adult homes. That's 28% of U.S. households are people one person living by themselves. This is up 50%. This is, no, no, sorry, not 50%. This is up 200% in the last 50 years. In the last 50 years, the number of single adult households has doubled in America. In Germany, 40 to 50% of households in Germany are single adult homes. In Australia, that is the, 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 the dominant household structure is you live by yourself. This is what we're seeing happening in the world. Why? Because the logical end of Unlimited freedom is isolation. Deep and meaningful community requires commitment. And commitment is constraint and limit. So the other thing that actually suffers too, not just community, but also meaning suffers. I put it on the screen. Meaning suffers. Meaning a sense of meaning suffers. That when you have unlimited freedom... Defined as I can do whatever I want and be whoever I want to be, whoever I want to be. No one can tell me otherwise. If that is what you're going for, then your sense of meaning will diminish. The things you do will become much more meaningless. And this is kind of the critique that most people, not just Christian people, or, but just most you know, thinkers have about secularism is that there is a very low sense of meaning within the secular framework. Why? Because... This is all an accident. Like, there's no plan. Like, you're not here for a reason. You are kind of an accident. You just kind of happened and you just kind of exist. And there's, we're not really going anywhere. So you could understand within that framework, things are not really very meaningful. Everything you do will end. Everything you invest in will fall apart eventually one day. Like, this is kind of like the thing. This is kind of the world. And thankfully, we have a book in, in the Bible called Ecclesiastes that's all about meaninglessness, which is like really interesting. It's actually a really good book, and I actually enjoy reading it in a strange, strange way. But, but as King Solomon, who was once considered one of the wisest kings in Israelite history, he looked at his life, and he had everything. He had all he could ask for. He says, everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And he talks about like seven specific things. He's like making money is meaningless, having pleasure is meaningless, winning is meaningless, like all this stuff that we invest in, it's all meaningless. And he even talks about a certain form of religion. He's like, that's meaningless too. All of that is just like chasing after the wind. And as I kind of look and study the book of Ecclesiastes, what it really comes down to, 
The reason why things are meaningless is because they're disconnected. Like things are meaningless because they're disconnected, especially from something bigger than you. Right? That's where we find meaning, don't we? We find meaning when something we do or something we are a part of is bigger than us and will last longer than us. That is what we find meaning in. If we do something and it's not going to affect anything and has nothing to do with anything, we feel that motion, we feel that activity, we feel that task is meaningless because it's disconnected from anything bigger than you. So within the secular framework, there really is nothing bigger than you. Like you are the biggest thing in your universe. You and your desires and your pleasure and the things that you want, that's the ultimate end. That's the biggest thing. So when we invest in that, no wonder we feel a sense of meaninglessness. Because it's disconnected from a bigger picture. It's disconnected from a larger narrative. So we suffer this sense of like meaninglessness in my job and in my relationships and in my life because it's just disconnected. And meaning, another reason I think we, have, we can find meaning in things are actually things that we, we sacrifice and are committed to. We sacrifice for and are committed to. Like if you were to ask anybody in this room, what's the most meaningful thing in your life? They'd probably say, my family. Probably not my kids, my wife, my family, that's, that's where I find a lot of meaning. But family and kids take up the most commitment in any area of your life, doesn't it? There is, there is no freedom when you have children. Okay? You're laughing because you know it's true. There is no freedom when you have kids, when you have family there's no freedom. You come home, you don't get to do whatever you want to do. You don't get to be whatever you want to be. When you get home, you don't get to be a dad. You don't get to be an adult. You have to be a horsey so your kids can ride on your back. But when you get home, there is no freedom. There is no freedom. And come on, let's be honest. This is why some of you, and I'm not going to call out anybody in particular, but you know you've done this. You came home, away from the house, and the kids are in there. And you know they're in there. And you pull up in your driveway. And what do you do? You turn off the car. And you just sit there for a little bit. And you could walk in right now. And you could go into that mess and the mayhem of your family. But you sit down. Maybe look at your phone for like five minutes more. Take a deep breath. And get ready for the battle. Come on, man. Let's, and, and if you have an electric car, if you have a hybrid car, this is even easier for you because you can just turn off the lights and go silently, just wait in the driveway and take a breather and get ready. Why? Because you know that there's no freedom there. That once you go there, you have to love your wife and you have to take care of your husband and you have to do all the things. You have to love your kids and discipline your kids. All those things. You have to do all that stuff. But that is where you find the most meaning in your life. If we're not willing to commit, if we're not willing to give away our freedom, we will lose meaning. So these are two areas that I think suffer the most if we subscribe to the world's version of freedom. But Jesus' freedom is different. Let me show you what Jesus' freedom looks like. And it's from the book of Psalms. It's this wonderful picture of the life of freedom with Jesus. Okay, it's in Psalm 1. And it's like this. 
that person, this is a person who follows Jesus, a person who accepts the law, who like follows God. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This right here is God's vision for your life. This is what he wants for you. He wants you to be a tree, like a tree planted by streams of water where you bear fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever you do prospers. This is what, this is what Jesus wants for you. But do you guys understand that this tree has limited freedom? To the tree who's planted by the streams of water, he can't one day be like, I don't like this spot anymore. There's too much sun. I don't like that tree, and I don't like that tree, and I don't like that plant. The bugs keep getting me. I'm going to move. This tree cannot step out of the bank, step away from the river, and plant itself somewhere else. No, the tree, is freedom is limited. It is stuck there. It can't move. But because it's there, it can prosper. It also yields its fruit in season. Which, have you guys ever wondered, like, how come we can eat fruits out of season here? Like, that's actually a really crazy thing, right? Like, we're not supposed to be eating strawberries now, but we can eat strawberries. Like, how come I have watermelon in December? You know, anyway. But, like, this tree, it, it can't be producing its fruit all day long. It can't just have everything it wants all the time. It does it in season in the right time and place. But by doing so, it prospers. Also, this tree can't decide that it doesn't want to be uh, uh, an apple tree or a uh, orange tree. It, it is what it is. And it's stuck there. It has limited freedom, but it flourishes. This is the kind of freedom that Jesus offers. And this is how it's different than the world's freedom. It is the freedom to give away our freedom. And I know that's crazy, right? Like, what are you even talking about, Jesus? But Jesus talks about it all the time, right? By, by sacrificing, giving of ourselves. The kind of freedom Jesus gives us is the freedom to give away our own freedom. To limit our freedom for others, for community, for meeting. And thereby doing that, we can have a much more rich life. See, if you think about it. Only when you're willing to limit your freedom can you have true community. Only when you're willing to limit your freedom will you find true meaning in your life. When you limit your freedom, that is where you become who you are supposed to be. True individuality, true individuality is found in dying to yourself. See, when we give away our freedom, we are free to be who God has called us to be. Yeah, maybe we don't get to choose everything. Maybe we don't have unlimited options. But God has created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And when we give away some of our freedom, that's what we will discover. And so here's a question that I want to ask you. The question is this. Where... Has your way of freedom taken you now? Where has your way of freedom taken you now? Because right now we have a ton of options and a ton of choices, but we have a lot of anxiety as well. We have a lot of freedom in this world, but we have a lot of loneliness too. 
We have, we have all that we have. No one can tell us what to do. No one can tell us what to be. No one can tell us what to think. But we're lost. We, we have so much freedom of idea and thinking, which is great and which is important. I absolutely believe that. But now we don't even know what's true anymore. We don't know what to believe anymore. We have this opinion and this opinion and this thought and this conspiracy theory and this idea all around us constantly bombarding us. And you're just like, what is even true anymore? Where has our way of freedom taken us? Like right now, we talked about this last week. The proof is in the pudding. The world we live in now is the result of the world of secularism. That's what we are now. Are we happy with that? Are we okay with that? Is this what we want for the rest of our lives? You know, but I think, you know, you know some people might be thinking in this time, yeah, you know, like, I, I hear you and I hear what you're saying, but, like, I, I am in church. I do believe in God. I am trying to follow Jesus, but I have that stuff too. Like, I got anxiety. I got depression. I got all those struggles, and I have all those issues. And, and, and I, I struggle with, like, you know, understanding what's true. And, like, being in the church hasn't actually helped me with that. So, so, so what am I supposed to do if that's where I'm at? And I have to, I have to, I have to share, you something, share with you something kind of tough. The reason why, I think, the reason why we often feel that way is because we can use Jesus to fulfill our secular agendas. We can use Jesus as the means to give us what we want the world to give us. So like, I want unlimited freedom. Really, that's what I want. I don't want Jesus' freedom. I want unlimited freedom, but I'm going to go to church so Jesus can give me my unlimited freedom. And then Jesus is like, that's not how it works. But we live in that place, and so we're kind of feeling this tension. We, we want pleasure because the world says, I can give you pleasure. And we like that. And we want all the pleasure. And we want to feel good. And we want all those things. And so we go to church and we say, Jesus, make me feel good. Give me the pleasure that the world promises. See, for so many of us, and I get it, like we're all there and we're all kind of on the spectrum. We have mixed the two. Like we want the secular world. We want secularism. And we want Jesus too. And we live this life where we're straddling both sides. But these both things are going in two completely different directions. And we're feeling the pain and the tension and the anxiety and the shame and the guilt because of that. Because we haven't really picked a side. Right? And come on, we get that, right? Like, hey, do you guys know, by the way, that Pastor Jonathan does not like chocolate? Do you guys know that? Yeah, he doesn't like chocolate, so don't give him chocolate. I know he looks like chocolate, but he doesn't like chocolate, all right? If Pastor Jonathan wanted to lose weight or get fit or get healthy and, and, um, and, and you, you, you brought a, a chocolate bar to him, would he be tempted? No. Because he's not into chocolate. He doesn't like chocolate. He would be like, no, I'm fine. But if you give him a Coke, he'd be like, oh, oh I don't know. Like I've decided to be healthier. I've decided to be fit. But you're bringing this Coke into my life. Like I want the Coke, but I want to be fit too. And so he feels this tension. We live our Christian lives like that, guys. We want what the world has to offer us. We want what Jesus has to offer us. We mix up Jesus' freedom and secular freedom, and we're kind of in this place of tension. And the way you can know, the way you can know if this is what you're doing is just an answering this very simple question. Does Jesus 
have to make you feel good. Okay, if you, if Jesus needs to make you feel good, then you have this issue. If you come to church and you walk away and you're like, that sermon didn't make me feel good, then you have this problem. If, if you reading the Bible makes you feel a little bit worse and you don't like that, then you have this problem. And I'm not saying that to judge anyone or condemn because I think we're all at different places. But does Jesus, is Jesus allowed to make you feel bad? Is he allowed to call you out? Is he allowed to challenge you? Is he allowed to say that that's not okay and I didn't like that? Is he allowed to do that? Or does Jesus just have to make you feel better about yourself? Does Jesus have to just, can he only encourage you? Can he only show you love in those positive ways and make you feel good? If that's the case, that's not Jesus. If that's, if that's the case, that's not Jesus. That's you. And I know next week, Pastor Jonathan, he's going to focus on that as well. So it's a, next week's going to be a really important message that's really going to challenge us. So, so I want to end with this question. Where has your freedom taken you? The life that you live now, your way of freedom, where has it brought you to? Is it a place that you want to be? Or is it not really what you thought it was going to be? This idea of unlimited freedom, has it hurt your sense of community and sense of meaning in your life? And the other question, a really wise question is, where will it take you later? If you play this out 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, where will this freedom take you later? Um, I just want to close with just one last illustration. I think that I think is going to kind of just draw, make the point home. See, I found these balloons today at church, and it was really cool. I was excited because I needed balloons, and I, and I forgot them at home. Um, but I want to give you, show you guys three versions of freedom, and tell me which one you want. All right. The first version of freedom is uh, okay. So take a look at this balloon. This balloon is you. There is a form of freedom that is like. No influences, nothing on the inside, nothing on the outside, just whatever, like this. That's one option. That's option one, right? That there's nothing inside of you, and it's just like whatever, it just like lives its life. That's one option. The other option of freedom is this. This is another version of freedom. Where it's filled on the inside, right? So maybe it feels good. It likes it, likes it, and, and it's, it's it's kind of filled with nice things on the inside. It has it has a feeling of self worth, and it's it's great. But but is this free? Is this balloon free? Right? Like this balloon, it can't do what it wants. It can't go where it wants to go. It is it is it is impacted by external forces. I didn't practice this. I should have practiced this. Right? And if this had helium or if this had just air, it has this like weird heavy thing here. Like though any wind, any gust of air would just blow this, this balloon in any direction. Is this freedom? Is this free? See, I think that this is the kind of world's freedom, the freedom that the world offers. It kind of fills you up and it feels good and it's nice, but you're just kind of at the whim of external forces. It just takes you every, anywhere the world wants you to go, it'll take you. The freedom that Jesus offers, all right then, exactly, right? I can't even keep it on the, I can't even keep it on, the, on the table. It just kind of goes, just kind of goes, just follows and just does whatever. The freedom that Jesus offers you, 
Think of an airplane. Now, an airplane has so many limits on it, doesn't it? Like, it has so many instruments, it has so many gadgets, it has so many things to stop it from doing what it just feels like. But the, the airplane, with all its limitations, can, can enable it to go in any direction it needs to go. It can go against the wind. It can go with the wind. It can go left. It can go right. It can go forward. This is the kind of freedom that Jesus offers you. A freedom that is grounded in the ability to give away freedom, thereby being what it is called to be. The freedom of the world is this balloon that's just simply filled with air. And it is subject to the whims and the directions of anything. Where has your freedom taken you now? What kind of freedom do you want to accept into your life? What kind of freedom do you want to live out? Do you want to be the tree planted by streams of water? Or do you want to be this this version of freedom, live this version of freedom where, where our community suffers, where we're isolated, where we, have a lack, we lack a sense of meaning. So as we close this message, I simply want to ask you guys to pause once again. If you're at a place where you've thought about disengaging from your faith, take a minute to pause and think about these questions. And as we move on to next week, as Pastor John talks about some of the other facets of, of options and choice within this secularistic framework, I'm hoping that you give us an open mind. And to see that the life that God wants for you, this life of a tree planted by streams of water, is far greater than anything that the world offers. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, so much for this day. I just want to ask God for your presence to be with us, Lord. And God, I know this was a challenging message to think about our freedoms and think about these these things that are playing out behind the scenes. And God, Father, I just ask that if there's anyone in that place, Lord, who who is... thinking about disengaging from their faith, God, that you would just pause them in this moment and in these next couple weeks. And Father, I pray that this message also at the same time would, would be challenging us, Lord, to not straddle this life of world and Jesus, but to select you as our Lord and Savior. And Father, I thank you, God, for, for what you're doing in this place, and I just ask, God, for your guidance and leadership. I pray, Father, your spirit would move in the hearts of people who need to be moved, Lord. And, Father, let us experience the freedom that you offer. One that leads to a place of depth and community and meaning and purpose and life and a life of flourishing, Lord. That's what you want for us. And I pray, God, that you would lead us to a place to receive that. Father, in your name we pray.